up, it's your pal Wanshikistatikus, and this is The Bar is Low. Every episode, we take a look at a fanfiction or a collection of fanfictions, and these can be either good, bad, or in between, but mostly, they're bad. Today's fic is pretty unique, and I think the best introduction I can give it is to read the opening passage. So we're going to dive right into this. Chapter 1, Blood and Heavy Metal. I love it already and I'm four words into it. So let's read this. The year is 2004, 15 generations after the beginning of the Ameripocalypse. The communist race has invaded and conquered the Americaverse and all other patriotic star systems in the galaxy. The American people are all but extinct, massacred by the billions by communist soldiers for refusing to bow down before the rule of the dark sorcerer Karl Marx. However. Not all patriotic life forms have been wiped out. Some Americans eke out an existence in exile, dreaming of the day when the communist scourge will be eliminated and the divine children of Washington can yet again thrive as in the days of old. But until that day comes, courageous Americans congregate together in secret societies, orchestrating the downfall of the Marxist empire and fighting communists when they can. This is their story. Sonic the Hedgehog soared through the red sky on his Harley Davidson TM motorcycle, slaying the fuck out of every communist soldier in his path. He relished every tumultuous moment, letting the endless splay of Marxist blood wash over his impossibly statuesque chest and loins as he carved their gnarled heads asunder with his axe guitar. Black metal roared from the speakers on Sonic's bike as he unsheathed his serrated katana and used it to deflect the onslaught of bullets fired at him by the unwashed masses foolish enough to stand in his way. A small chuckle escaped from Sonic's corroded teeth as he threw a cavalcade of knives at his adversaries. He then nodded his head in approval as each blade found its mark between the eyes of a communist sword thane, splitting their heads in two. Sonic leapt majestically from his his motorcycle and cast away his arm to fight the communist host with his own cartilage-soaked fist. The hedgehog swaggered forth with utter surety, his wispy chest hairs flooding wildly in the wind. He parted the waves of communist blackguards before him, casting these depraved hordes into the netherworld with several well-timed roundhouse kicks. Bloodthirsty communist march wardens snarled and sputtered incoherently from this undeniably patriotic sight. They burgeoned forth, binding Sonic's arms with fetters of wrought iron and naquada. Fuck you, I'm Sonic the Hedgehog. It's time to rock out. Sonic bellowed with blind patriotic fury, tearing his stylish jerkin asunder and shattering the darbies and chains that bound him with little effort. Sonic furiously played a puss and riff on his axe guitar, severing the barriers of space and time with this heavy metal melody and summoning divine astral fuck flames from the heaven above to slay the fuck out of his base-born adversaries. So if you love that as much as I did, just stop this episode and go fucking read this thing. The entire fic is like this. You get the dramatic and vibrant language over the top, but not really graphic violence. Massive scale battles. It's just ridiculous in the best way. And I don't feel like a simple summary can do this justice because there are just so many great quotes. The best thing you can do for yourself is probably just to read this instead of listening to this episode, but I'll be talking about this whole thing if you choose to stick along. It's called Sonic the Hedgehog, Defender of America. 
read it you won't regret it that being said i still have some minor issues with it which i'll get to as we get further into it but for utter crack thick this is pieced together well and has a meandering at times but solid plot and it has lots of concepts and lore that cue you in as to how thought out this actually was this is completely ridiculous but it's also got quality to it it's well written like how can you not fall in love with that writing style as soon as you see it it appeals to my sense of humor and also appeals to me as a writer which that's why i fucking love it so much so on a similar note the summary part of this review is going to be pretty simplified given that there are a lot of characters and plot lines to keep track of it's pretty convoluted stuff this is going to be a longer episode as it is so i am going to just cut it down a little bit so let's get into it as you already know we're in the midst of the first of many battle scenes when Vladimir Lenin <laughs> reels himself, but then a giant bald eagle just swoops down from the skies and kills him. And writing this eagle, Freedom Song, this eagle's name, uh, is none other than Abraham Lincoln, who, for some fucking reason in this universe, is the son of Tupac, yes, the rapper, who is the son of Thomas Jefferson, who is a god in lore of the Americaverse, which makes Lincoln a demigod, and Sonic is honored to be in his presence, though surprised that he's still alive. So maybe my favorite thing about this fic, besides the over-the-top writing style, is that all the characters who show up, you're just like, what? holy shit, why the fuck is Taylor Swift a communist overlord? What is Colonel Sanders doing here? And, and yes, both those people do appear, by the way. We'll, we'll get back to that. So normally I'm not a fan of real person fic, although this is a mega crossover, which includes both real people and fictional characters. And there are a few iffy things in here, but since this isn't remotely serious, you know, it's all good. So Lincoln's like, yo, Sonic, join my biker brethren. But Sonic's like, I kill bitches whenever I want. But then a challenger approaches. And I'll read this quote. It's been a long time, Abe to think it's been an entire age since we last crossed paths how's that kid of yours dead i hope a mysterious warrior cackled saucily swaggering forth with intensely animated hip and groin movements while training his sniper rifle between lincoln's eyes the weathered cyan battle armor and matted yellow fur of this foul mercenary made him almost unmistakable for any wizened patriot before them stood Mercenary Pooh, the deadliest assassin in the Americaverse. Once he was but the simple excrement of an undesirable hellhound, a lesser demon known as Christopher Robin used black magic to breathe unholy life into him, earning him the affectionate title of Pooh Bear. In an act of defiance, Winnie the Pooh slew his master, slicing his head clean off and devouring his remains. After that day, Pooh devoted his life to the occupation of a hired assassin, charging an exorbitant fee of 50 million bars of latinum for each hit his deadly skills were instrumental in america's defeat in the communist wars for he was hired by adolf hitler to assassinate the founding fathers so that was a ride <laughs> wow see the, it, the, it's, it's all like this it just gets crazier and crazier and crazier so then they duke it out, Lincoln pulling his ancestral katana that was hewn from the menstrual blood of purebred hellhounds. Nice. But it ends with Lincoln straight up flinging Pooh into the sun, where he's incinerated instantly. And then Sonic's like, you know what, you're pretty cool, I think I'd like to join you. So Lincoln takes him to the planet Washington 7, where we get even more fucked up familial relationships, because he introduces his son, Michael Jordan, yes, the basketball player. <laughs> I guess since Lincoln is known for simultaneously deflowering 10,000 grizzly bears at once and then 
killing all but one afterwards. That singular surviving bear, I guess, is Michael Jordan's mother? That's what's implied. That's not even the weirdest thing that happens in this. Then we meet the rest of the squad. We have Charles Barkley, who is Michael Jordan's son, and that makes him Abe's grandson. Robot and Frank, a chainsaw nunchuck wielding Garfield, but for some reason he's a human cat hybrid instead of just a cat. And old Tricky Dick Nixon, whose allegiance is Sonic questions because he betrayed the US for the commies, even though Abe says he was acting as a spy when he did that. Meanwhile, <laughs> Meanwhile, the necromancer Karl Marx is going to be one of our main villains here, at least for this first arc, in his throne room, draped with the tapestries of American flesh, drags Winnie the Pooh's ashes from the center of the sun and interrogates him as to what the hell happened back there. Adam Sandler is also there for some reason, and he's he's completely insane in this. He's just deranged like a rabbit animal. Apparently, he's a miserable creature born from a marriage that Karl Marx would like to forget. All right, just just get used to this. This is what's gonna happen. It's just all gonna be weird relationships and random characters showing up. And in this scene, it is revealed that in fact, a communist spy does reside within the Biker Brethren. We don't know who it is, but Sonic's, you know, he suspects Nixon. Karl Marx then brings out the captured American warrior Hulk Hogan and converts him to communism with his torturous sorcery, which for some reason involves reading from Mein Kampf, even though that has nothing to do with communism. Like, why wouldn't you read from the Communist Manifesto? But Hulk gets a new name. He's Stalin now, because that's how it fucking works in this universe. This is also where we first see a running gag that continues throughout the fic. There'll be like a perfectly normal paragraph, as far as this fic goes at least. And then the last sentence will be a totally unrelated factoid about one of the characters. So for example, Stalin vowed before his new master and swore fealty towards him. In a few short weeks, he assembled a legion of wicked communists and prepared a fleet of battle cruisers to destroy the American world and smite the resistance. Adam Sandler, identifies himself as a human toilet on his blog, or latrinekin. So I don't think this on whole contributes a lot to the hilarity of the fic, but I like it anyways, and when you're not expecting it, and just because their actual content is just so offhand too, it's pretty funny. <laughs> Meanwhile, Sonic is training with Michael Jordan. I don't believe I've mentioned this yet, but Sonic's dick is a gun. Yes. It's gonna be a big theme in this. Sonic's dick is a gun. And it shoots lasers too, I guess. So Sonic, the fuckless being that he is, just goes through Michael Jordan's shit without permission and finds a picture of his wife. Konami Makoda, an anime girl, who I believe is 14 in her show. Alright then. But Jordan is sad and tells Sonic that killing communists isn't just about having fun or satiating one's bloodlust or, you know, getting turned on by it like Sonic does. They're doing it because they have to. Sonic smiled weakly and took a seat parallel to Jordan. Well, as long as we're talking about gay-ass feelings and shit, I might as well tell you why I'm here. My father, Tails the Fox, converted to communism when I was just a wee lad. No, it's just a boy, but I, I put wee lad in there. It's damn hard to see such a man of honor slip away into a pathetic shadow of his former self. He would go away for weeks at a time and come home soaked in blood of my American kidsmen. And yet he felt clean. I sue the fuck out of his punk ass one night while he slept, driving off on my Harley and never looking back. The hedgehog concluded, disclosing this tragic tale for the first time since that fateful day. 
again what the hell are the relationships i don't know that much about sonic the hedgehog and that whole franchise but i'm pretty sure tails the fox is not his father <laughs> sonic does train with charles barkley the next day who seems weak in battle at first but he has telekinetic powers speaking of that Riddle me this, Barkley. Can you read minds too? Sonic inquired, with a cunning smile, crafting a clever strategy in his mind. Barkley nodded nervously and closed his eyes, peering into Sonic's depraved head to prove this ability. Upon viewing the unhallowed images of mass torment lurking within Sonic's psyche, Charles Barkley immediately loosened his telekinetic grip on the hedgehog and began furiously projectile vomiting. Michael Jordan hurriedly ran to comfort his son as he fell back on the ground. The baller let out a sigh of relief, relieved to see that Barkley was unharmed. The only thing comparable to the sheer depravity of these visions would be an orgy of inbred, headless women hewn from lasers, godlessly fornicating with a seven-headed apocalyptic fuck wraith, a beast that has 10,000 members and 12 quintillion scrotums. And upon climax, each of the seven heads would passionately cry out, all made of flesh must burn, if not as food, as firewood, all born of meat must rot, every beast and every man. Wow, that is really specific. Are you sure that's not actually what he was thinking of? That's pretty metal though. So then Sonic goes to train with Tricky Dick Nixon. Nixon only spouts enigmatic jargon, to quote, and warns Sonic that he needs to leave the biker brethren. But Sonic, of course, does not give a fuck because he just wants to kill communists. He has no regard for his own safety. So the biker brethren gears up for their quest. This first arc is about them obtaining the sacred guitar of George Washington himself from a heavily guarded communist stronghold. But that calls for us to learn some more lore of the Americaverse first, and it's this lore that really gives a fix some more death. It's like it's not just comedy and violence. There is world building and plot in here. This is pretty great history and it covers a lot of important stuff. So I'm, I'm just going to read this chapter. This chapter of my Sonic fanfiction features no Sonic characters, just as God intended. Before the beginning of days, there existed only the divine spirit of George Washington. A transcendental being of freedom he was, looming as a great pale shape against the eternal blackness of the void, where he lay dormant for eons. Beyond the imperishable flame of Washington's hallowed wisdom and patriotism, there was nothing. In all of his divine might, Washington began to kindle a great spirit from this nothingness. He brought into existence the mightiest weapon known to the Americaverse, the electric guitar. This angelic instrument descended into his unsullied hands, and George Washington channeled his pious souls into a messianic harmony. Righteous tears streamed down his ivory cheeks as he played, and his divine melody brought into existence the heavenly bodies and great star clusters of the Americaverse. With his angelic guitar solo and savage head thrashing, the American Fabius immaculately forged east of the planets in the Omniverse. With his black metal shrieking, the deity George Washington created the American people to populate his ultimate creation. A golden shower then sprang... <laughs> forth from George Washington's sacred loins, filling each of the planets with great bodies of water. In his final act of patriotic godhood, Washington created seven lesser spirits, the offspring of his thought and crotch that were prophesied to rule over the Americaverse for time eternal. Washington kindled a heavenly gift for each of his immortal children. Thomas Jefferson was given deific authority over all eagles in the Americaverse. Benjamin Franklin received a basketball made of machine guns. Alexander Hamilton was given dominion over the forces of nature. 
James Madison was gifted control over the forces of death and passing. Shaquille O'Neal, yep, that, that really fits with the theme, <laughs> was given an MP3 player full of nightcore music, and Biggie Smalls was granted divine lordship over all anime hentai. Lastly, John Adams, the eldest and wisest among their order, inherited Washington's own guitar, which would later be christened the Communist Slayer. Shaq refuses to admit that Nightcore is just anime music raised in pitch. Afterwards, George Washington's power is fully spent. He used the last of his strength to create the afterlife, a place which would be known by future generations as the Great White House. As his last act, he entrusted the protection of the Americaverse to the seven founding fathers and ascended to this higher plane to slumber for the rest of eternity. For many ages, the patriotic galaxies existed in harmony, but these precious years of peace and plenty were not to last, a darkness festered in the noble heart of John Adams, tarnishing his patriotic soul and gnawing away at his mind. John Adams rebuked all of the evil from his soul, but with grave consequence that not even the Founding Fathers could foresee. The wickedness from within him manifested itself as a living creature, a new life form, known as the Communist. <laughs> Wielding great strength that far surpassed even that of the gods, this demonic entity savagely slew John Adams and ingurgitated all of his godly powers. This wretched spirit took on a new title, crowning himself Adolf Hitler, ruler of the Americaverse. Greatly fearing Hitler's unparalleled pussins, Am I pronouncing that word right? Oh well. The Founding Fathers hardened their hearts to the plight of the American people and fled when the world needed them most. Their detestable, unpatriotic act was soon repaid in kind as Hitler's soldiers viciously smote his former brethren to extinguish all resistance to his rule. By the way, smote and smite, that is just a great fucking word. Bred by Hitler in mockery of Washington's divine children, an innumerable horde of communist fucklings set forth under the father of lies, malicious command to drive the American people to total extinction. What when the freedoms and liberties of the American people held dear were threatened, a man and his son rose against this perilous threat. Their names were Tupac Shakur and Abraham Lincoln. In their hands, they held hope, the hope of a bright future for all of Washington's folk. With enormous strength, the sons of Washington fought back, decimating the host of Hitler with an endless army of patriotic warlords in an era of untold evolution. Commanding the great machines of war, this resistance one-sidedly wiped out all of the communist scourge that challenged them in a bloodbath of patriotic fury. Tupac Shakur and the Dark Lord Adolf Hitler finally clashed in a climactic battle that brought a swift end to both of their lives. Even with the communist lord vanquished, the execrable damage was done. The Americaverse was forever marred, its beauty devastated, and people scattered. An accursed new foe soon rose from the shadows, an undead weaver of lies and forbidden dimmer craft that took up the cursed mantle of his master. His name was Karl Marx. The American people soon learned of the true despair, losing the will to fight as the great communist empire soon overwhelmed them with their vast menace and incalculable numbers. The Ameripocalypse had begun. Much like everything else going on, that was wild from start to finish. I really do like this lore though. It's some quality world building and funny too. But one thing that bothers me is that Hitler was a fascist, not a communist. But since hardly anything in this fic actually lines up with reality, you know, whatever. 
I'll forgive it. So then, the Brethren embarks on their quest. The guitar is at the top of the Trotsky Tower, and on each level dwells a mini-boss, basically. So first, they must battle Gabriel Iglesias, who doesn't take damage easily, because I guess he's just so fucking round. There's this short passage. It's really hard for me to decide what my favorite part is. <laughs> Tonight, you! Abraham Lincoln saucily threatened, shooting Gabriel Iglesias the bedroom eyes as he unsheathed his ancestral katana. Your weapons are broken, Abraham Lincoln boomed with an all-powerful presence. The Americaverse itself submissively bent to Lincoln's divine command, causing all of Gabriel's armaments to suddenly shatter and turn to dust. The universe is a bitch, and Abraham Lincoln is her pip. <laughs> So, as you can see, there's a lot of gold in there, but my favorite part has to be saucily threatened. So, they defeat him, then round two's arena is, naturally, a basketball court. For whatever reason, this requires Michael Jordan to fuse with Garfield with the power of the ancestral American drink, Mountain Dew. And then Gar Jordan, as the fusion, I guess, is called is a beast of destruction. Fun fact, apparently in this universe, Michael Jordan invented basketball by throwing the severed heads of communists into a bottomless basket, and you have to sacrifice a hellhound to George Washington before each game. Bet you didn't know that. After defeating the Monstars, they set up camp indoors on the basketball court as if they were in the wilderness. <laughs> Sonic is starting to feel a sense of companionship for really the first time in his life, and so is Michael Jordan, who asks him to take care of Charles Barkley if something is to happen to him. They reach the final level of the tower, but their challenge this time is not a battle, not a physical one anyways. So a hex enchants the communist slayer guitar, and when they touch it, they succumb to visions of their desires. So for example, Garfield just sees lasagna everywhere. Sonic is unaffected by this because his only desire is to kill communists, and Nixon, who's also unaffected, is just like... Sonic, you're holding the guitar, play some patriotic black metal to snap the rest of the biker brethren out of it. And then Sonic the Hedgehog indeed rocks the fuck out, and everyone returns to reality. However, the communist forces, led by Stalin, Hulk Hogan, whatever, Adam Sandler and the rebuilt cyborg Pooh have surrounded the tower, and they're gonna have to fight their way out. It's seven against ten million, but numbers mean nothing in this fic. So if gives a rallying speech that ends with this line our freedom is like diarrhea it never stops oh my god beautiful but do you want to know what adam sandler is like in the america verse because here you go plus there's a great line from garfield in here mm, such delicious patriots out there meaty and chewy yes so sweaty so tender and gooey when i devour their sodomized flesh Ooh, i must have it i can't stand here anymore master i can't it's been so long since i made sweet love to american fuckboys i need it adam sandler slobbered and burbled incoherently he foamed profusely from the mouth and broke free of the leash that bound him dashing on all fours onto the raging battlefield Adam Sandler ferociously threw himself upon Garfield and dug his rotting fangs into the dumpy feline's flesh, rending his stylish smock to shreds as he prepared to feast. Despite his gangly, anemic appearance, Adam Sandler showcased unparalleled puzzles in his struggle with Garfield, rivaling even the strongest of feudal hell wraiths in strength and depravity. 
Adam Sandler licked his lips lustfully, using Garfield's lifeblood as lube as he prepared to deal a fatal blow to this wounded patriot. He cracked a sadistic grin. Mmm, so delicious and fat, star-spangled, scrumptious and tasty, full of lasagna, finger-looking good. I'm not fat, I'm full of freedom! Garfield roared with righteous fury. He summoned all his latent strength and American-esque ferocity to carve the fabric of reality itself asunder, rending open a portal to the fiery depths of hell. The obese man-cat mercilessly bludgeoned Sandler into a quivering pulp with his saintly girth and hoisted him skywards by the neck. He then drew back his arm, tossing this hollering fucklord into the flaming pits of the underworld. Yes, Garfield Slay. I think Garfield's my favorite character from here. So, then Sonic and Lincoln are about to fuse, but who intercepts the fusion do that they're throwing to each other and then brags about how difficult he will be to defeat. But then Sonic comes along. He's like, Pooh, you're a failure and you mean nothing to us. Now, you capitalist filth, I am the final boss. Show me what you fucking got. So he returns to them, the fusion do, and then we are introduced to the mighty some Lincoln the Hedgehog. Sonic can take some fucking hits, so they think he's dead and they unfuse, but no, he's still alive. And this is where Michael Jordan makes his ultimate sacrifice. So he has that, that basketball made of machine guns. <laughs> I want to know how that works, so I really do. <laughs> like, I don't see how that bounces, but okay. That basketball machine guns, that did originally belong to Benjamin Franklin, and he goes after Stalin with it. He slam dunks, and they both die, and the entire continent breaks apart, and the only survivors are the rest of the biker brethren and Pooh. So they're keeping Pooh prisoner, and since everyone's wondering how such a huge army showed up to fight them when no one knew about their mission, Pooh speaks up and says, yeah, there's a spy in their midst. Uh, he doesn't know who it is, and Sonic still thinks it's Nixon, but he offers to divulge the location of Karl Marx's lair if they let him join the Biker Brethren. Meanwhile, this is going to be a major plot thread here. Archdemon Hitler is rising from his slumber and destroying everything. So he hunts down Steve Urkel. All right. Okay. Since, you know, Steve is an American, he kills him, but not before demanding to know Richard Nixon's location. So Karl Marx is watching the destruction through <laughs> his crystal basketball. <laughs> I love this. The basketball made of machine guns and the crystal basketball. They're like my favorite things. So Karl Marx is just like, hey, everyone's fucked if this goes on, communists and Americans alike, but I think I'm gonna summon my daughter Taylor Swift to kill Lincoln anyways. But in fact, it is time to flash forward and learn what becomes of Nixon and Garfield after the biker brethren, none of whom survived save Garfield, at least in this timeline. So Garfield rose Nixon as if he were his own son after the Ameripocalypse in hopes that he would be able to smite Archdemon Hitler. These two engage in vigorous, minimally clothed combat exercise, and Garfield is able to keep him at bay with a single index finger while he eats lasagna with his free hand. So I don't know if you guys know this, but vigorous is my favorite word. Like, if you do anything vigorously, it's automatically hilarious to me. Like, especially if it's a sexual act. I know I've talked about my least favorite word a lot, but you know this much better than now. Vigorous favorite word. And they also keep adding Japanese titles to the end of people's names, like Nixon-kun, Washington-sama. <laughs> 
But Hitler does attack the planet with his godlike power, and even the resident patriotic warlords can do nothing to hold him off. Garfield tells Nixon to go hide as he transforms into Garzuka, knowing that he's going to die in this battle. But Pooh comes to fight Hitler instead because he needs to restore his communist honor after, you know, Hitler killed his prey, the biker brethren. So Garfield, horribly wounded, brings Nixon to the basement to reveal the stovepipe hat of time, which Nixon can use to travel back in time. Garfield tells him that he must destroy the biker burthen at all costs and says, also, try not to cuckold your actual dad. My actual dad? What, you thought your dad was a cat? He's a hedgehog, you fucking idiot. Sonic, the hedgehog, is your real father. Garfield destroys the entire planet, hoping to kill Hitler as well. As foretold in legend, it was metal as fuck. See, I don't even have to say this is metal as fuck because the author already does it for me. Thank you, sir. Meanwhile, Nixon travels back in time where he meets Michael Jordan, who is indeed playing basketball with a severed head of a communist. But Hitler does not die despite Garfield's heroic sacrifice, and he uses the stovepipe hat of time to travel back and find Nixon. So would you look at that? There's a real plot going on. I mean, the time travel is kind of confusing and yeah, it's been overdone, but this isn't just hilariously dramatic violence. So there's, you know, a real story here going along with the world building that we introduced earlier. Kind of on the topic of world building, we're introduced to the concept of patriotic vision in the foreword of the next chapter. Of all the sins an American create with his or her own hands, there is perhaps no greater taboo than the forbidden ritual patriotic vision. This technique was originally created to sever one's metaphysical self and consciousness in two, expelling the impure intentions from one's own heart. The laws of equal sacrifice bring into existence a new entity that exists only of unadulterated depravity and savagery. In simpler terms, the communist. There is no greater crime in the eyes of the heavenly George Washington, no sin more unforgivable. In the history of the Americaverse, across all time. There have only been three successful instances of this ancient ritual. Two of these have already happened. The first gave rise to the fall of patriotism and the Ameripocalypse itself, bringing into the realm the living godless incarnate of all communist perversion, the anti-Washington Adolf Hitler. The second patriotic vision created the baleful hell mage infamously known as Karl Marx, Hitler's sole apprentice and successor to the communist throne. Each time, the absolute laws set forth by Washington are broken, and each time, the Americaverse suffers a great disaster and strife for many thousands of generations. Despite being 13% of the population, blacks commit 5,000% of the murders in America. <laughs> I don't know why that last sentence was there, but okay. <laughs> This one, uh, I guess another one of those gags. Uh, they put a random fact to it at the end. So next we are introduced to the Jefferson Starship crew. Sonic and the gang are, I guess, flying through space on the back of a majestic bald eagle when they encounter an American spaceship just, you know, floating around in the void. Garfield recognizes them and he's like, oh shit, what up, Obama? Son of Snoop Lion, son of Snoop Doggy Dog, son of lesser god Biggie Smalls, and oh, hi, attendant Guy Fieri. <laughs> So Obama is very classy and educated, and he shows them around his library and tells them many patriotic myths. Barkley opens one of the books and asks a question, and <laughs> there's an homage to a classic line here. Obama chuckled. You mean the Chaos Emeralds? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and if you don't think that there hasn't been enough weird characters to enter the Americaverse, then you are wrong, because there's never enough. So we flash back now to Lincoln as a young man fighting on the battlefield, along with his father. 
yes, Tupac, for those of you who do not recall. He feels bad that he has to, you know, commit genocide of an entire race just for his people's safety, but none other than the man himself, Donald Trump, is fighting the battle as well, and he doesn't give a fuck that they're committing genocide. He just likes killing people and watching the light leave their eyes. The funny thing is that he's much more well-spoken and eloquent in this fic than he is in real life. <laughs> Rip. <laughs> So, back to the present day, Nixon is in fact the informant, and he's terrified because Karl Marx has now sent his children, Taylor Swift and Kevin James, after the biker brethren. Meanwhile, there's a cool space battle that involves pterodactyls, Dwayne the Rock Johnson actually being able to transform into a rock, space motorcycles, and more fucking slam dunks. Pooh is watching from his confinements like, I defected their side and they don't even have the courtesy to invite me to the bloodbath. What a bunch of dicks. So, Lincoln then decides to fight Hitler, because the motherfucker's already destroyed another planet, and since Lincoln engaged in patriotic vision, he wants to redeem himself. <laughs> this is- there's a really weird way of describing his laugh here. A light chuckle erupted from Abe's soup coolers, and they also refer to fingers as wizened digits or rugged digits a lot. This is so beautiful. I love weird ways of describing body parts, and weird euphemisms. So Abe goes off, and he's apparently well-trained in various Japanese fighting styles, because why the fuck not? I'm gonna read this battle scene, because these battle scenes are fucking amazing. Hitler pushed his adversary back with a barrage of ferocious jabs and punches. Lincoln quickly regained the upper hand and put the wretched Fuhrer back on the defensive with each savage slice from his dual kunai. Honest Abe homed in, slugging Hitler with a puss that could only be compared to that of the shattering of every hymen in the galaxy at once. <laughs> Beads of sweat formed upon Hitler's anemic face as he countered by wildly bombarding Abe with an unutterable amount of energy blast from his wizened digits. There it is again, wizened digits. Lincoln emerged from this fuck ferocious maelstrom with only minor injuries. He wiped the blood streaming from his lips before launching himself back into the fray. He grabbed Hitler by the face, mercilessly pounding him deep into the tarmac. Adolf became radiated by an unholy aura as he gathered his energy, tumbling his way out of the fracture of beneath. Soon after, he reappeared behind Abraham Lincoln with a bloodthirsty grin plastered across his noisome face. Catching a brief glimpse of his murderous opponent in his peripheral vision, Lincoln swiftly reacted and left thousands of feet into the red sky with a single bound. Hitler was quick to pursue his bold prey, trailing closely behind. Lincoln discarded his oriental katana and came to blows with the unearthly furor in the skies above. Amazing. Abraham Lincoln is evenly matched with Hitler. He may even be able to kill him, Obama cheered from the sidelines. He peered into the lower realm by utilizing his star-spangled astral projection, watching their fight unfold with bated breath. Fuck you, I'm Abraham Lincoln. Go straight to hell, you goddamn Nazi. Yes! This is the good content right here, guys. Honestly, roared. His elbow connected with Hitler's chin, sending him flying helplessly into the vast blackness of space. Adolf tore his incommodious armor asunder and bayed at the moon. He then re-entered the planet's atmosphere with an incalculable speed, barbarically polarizing Abe Lincoln hundreds of feet into the planet's crust with his blood-drenched fist. Great streams of magma erupted from the planet's brutalized terrain as Lincoln climbed out of the impact crater he was bombarded into by his foul Nazi adversary. Honest Abe suddenly removed his weighted training stovepipe hat in order to improve his already godlike speed. Without the heavy gear that was slowing him down, both warriors were now even 
evenly matched in strength and speed. He beamed wide and stared down Hitler once more. Looks like this planet is just about destroyed. How about you say we move to a different world and continue this fight? Lincoln propositioned the Nazi in a calm tone, maintaining his composure despite the heavy wounds dealt to him by this mighty foe. Shut the front door. Look more closely, my lord. Their raw strength is nearly even, but Hitler has the obvious advantage because of his nearly infinite reserves of stamina. Minute by minute, the divide between their godly powers is growing wider and wider. Amstab needs to escape. While he still has the strength to flee, Guy Fury foreboded in a hushed tone. He watched intently as Hitler slowly began to gain the upper hand over Amstab with each savage hack and strike. Lincoln stumbled in reverse and struggled to regain his footing. His breathing became increasingly labored as he caught Hitler by the ankle, fiercely slamming him into the face of a mountain head first. Hitler's boiling fuck rage reached its zenith as he ejaculated a raging beam of energy from his cupped hands. Lincoln frantically mimicked his desperate maneuver, entering into a beam struggle with the unholy Fuhrer. Are you still following this? Obama inquired his albino-haired attendant. As much as he hated to admit it, his mortal eyes struggled to keep up with Lincoln and Hitler's frenzied movements that transcended far beyond the speed of light. Guy Fieri bowed his head and chuckled. Not at all! So basically, Abe starts to lose ground and he's cornered. So he asks, what is Hitler's plan? And with Brock's astral projection, they're able to see that Hitler is making a giant swastika out of destroyed planets. Such a rune is used to summon ungodly powers from beyond the veil of reality itself, to quote, so that he could basically become God if he completes the swastika. But just as he's about to kill Lincoln, Nixon shows up with a communist Slayer guitar to save him and settle the score for Hitler once and for all for killing Garfield in the future. His adoptive father, need I remind you. But Hitler then teleports away and the encounter ends. Lincoln's alive, but he's now in a coma and they're f they have to feed him Mountain Dew trademark through an IV. So other updates going on. Kevin James and Taylor Swift check down Trump so that he can help them destroy the biker brethren and they head off to the Jefferson Starship. Here's a quote. What? Why are you doing this? You're an American like us, a half-charged survivor known as Fred Flintstone, wheezed in a scraggly voice, dragging his ruined body across the ash-covered earth. He heaved himself forward, tugging upon the hem of Donald Trump's maroon pimp suit. Trump tipped his fedora and grinned. In my place, wouldn't you do the same? Can you not hear the music? The dulcet of fire crackling and the harmonious screams for mercy, the sounds of two iron wheels clashing against each other. It's a symphony to my ears, and nothing upon this earth is more pleasurable to me. Americans and communists, good and evil, right and wrong. That all means nothing. I just want to see the beauty of death in all its visceral glory. Why is he so much more eloquent here than in real life? Also, his fedora and maroon pimp suit. <laughs> My god. Meanwhile, Sonic is bonding with his adoptive son, Charles Barkley, and... M. Frank does attempt to sympathize, and she wants to talk about his feelings with him, even though she's a robot here and doesn't have any comprehension of human emotion. Uh, Sonic later says about this, Damn, is that robot hoe into me? I've never been with a living woman before. Usually you have to kill them first before making love to them. So, 
Then while going through Obama's library, Garfield finds some records that say that Tails the Fox, Sonic's dad in this universe, is still alive even though Sonic claims to have killed that commie fucker years ago. The biker brethren then travels to planet Kentucky Prime to hunt him down. So Dwayne the Rock Johnson is still hanging out with them, so they ask him, hey, we're all super fucked up, what's your story? Why do you live the communist slaying life? And he starts getting war flashbacks. So like with Hulk Hogan slash Stalin, he was experimented on by the communists, but then he got deprogrammed and it actually gets kind of heavy for a moment when he says that he had to kill his wife and child as a test of loyalty. But then Sonic's like, uh, you ain't special. We all got our sob stories. I'm about to decapitate my father with my dick and I've been shopping on that dick of mine just for that reason. So then they do encounter Tails. Sonic lunges at him and it takes everyone else there to restrain him, but Tails doesn't even care. He's just very sad and broken. And this is like important information, so I'm just gonna read the explanation that Tails gives for everything. Sonic fought the temptation to cleave Tails' head off with his dick before he could finish the sentence. He snarled, There's no excuse in the world good enough for the shit job you did as a father. You were never there for us. We lived in complete poverty because of your actions. When my mom, your wife, <laughs> Ryuko Matoy, I do not know who that is or how to pronounce that, but I know that it's an anime girl. Okay. Died from crumbs disease. You didn't even attend the goddamn funeral. Your actions are what made me despise the entire communist way of life. What about the communist wars could possibly make up for something so horrible? Why did you pledge your undying loyalty to Karl Marx? Tails let out a deep sigh. There's no reason good enough to atone for my sins. But I will tell you why I became a communist. Someone must know the truth of what I've seen and done, even if I speak it with my last breath. Listen closely, son. The communist war wasn't even a war at all. It was an experimentation ground. In those days, I was a doctor, a healer, a man devoted to the wellness of others, even at the detriment of my own. But that battlefield turned me into something else, a heartless killer. Sonic turned his head away and refused to hearken upon the words of his father. Man, just get to the point. I don't have time for this. I need to take a massive shit, he grumbled. Winnie the Pooh begins practicing interpretive dance to rid himself of his genocidal impulses. The upper echelon of the American military personally chose me to work for them because of my skilled work in the field of xenobiology. But if I knew of the godless experiments I would be conducting, I would have surely fled right then and there. Tails began in a hoarse voice, instantly reminded of the terrible atrocities he was forced to create. Images of tortured, malnourished figures begging for death filled his mind, endlessly altered into unutterably horrible abominations at the behest of a secret branch within the American army. Tails bowed his head with shame. He downed the full contents of his flask of whiskey before continuing. Since time immemorial, it has been the dream of every American to ascend and become the perfect patriot, something that is referred to in legend as the patriot incarnate, a man with no flaws, wholly blameless in the eyes of Washington Sama. That's how the Harlem Globetrotters came into existence. Founded by John Adams centuries ago, they were an organization devoted to creating the ultimate flawless American at any cost to become a thing that walked near the realm of God. That was the sole motive that consumed their very souls. The first project was creating what we know today as the forbidden patriotic vision. Their founder, John Adams, used it in pursuit of making himself perfect. It was a success, but it came with a downside of bringing into existence Adolf Hitler and the wickedness of communism. However, their greed forced them to continue their research into the plane of godhood. For hundreds of years before the wars, Americans and communists lived in separate societies in relative peace. In all of their avarice, our own people forced their hand by massacring an innocent colony of communist men, women, and children. 
Saturn. The American versus secret leaders started the communist wars just to have more fodder for their experiments. Learning of the corruption is what forced me to defect to the side of the enemy, Tails admitted in a cold voice. So this shit's kind of heavy, actually, and Tails asks Sonic to kill him, but Sonic's like, mm, you have important information besides death is too good for you anyways. But then Trump and Taylor Swift and Kevin James appear, and Tails dies anyways, because they kill him. So Robot and Frank then takes a big plume of fire for Sonic, because he actually treated her like a person and not an android, and she wanted to thank him in some way. So yeah, there's a hint of romance in this fic. There you go. Spoiler alert. If Sonic is Tricky Dick's real father, who did you think the mother was? I swear to god this fic somehow keeps outdoing itself with weird familial ties. Here's this fight scene I think we could all use. It's just a nice excerpt of Dwayne The Rock Johnson beating the fuck out of Trump. I think we all want to hear that, don't we? I used to fuck guys like you in prison, Donald Trump snarled from behind his blood-stained teeth. His bare chest radiated with crimson flames as he charged back into the fray against his stone-skinned opponent. Dwayne Johnson narrowed his eyes and exhaled, readying himself for battle. He swished his hips forward into a menacing pose and struck out his fist, transmogrifying the flesh on his right arm into diamond. He then reared back his arm and roared, mercilessly slugging Trump into the planet's stratosphere with his craggy musculature. Garfield fearlessly delves into the world of Lolita fashion. Trump quickly reacted, employing the art of bukujutsu to stabilize his altitude in orbit. Donald Trump grinned and conjured a goddled blue inferno into the palms of his hands. He flicked his wrists outward, sending this conflagration hurtling into the planet's surface hundreds of feet below. The rock tensed for impact, watching as Kentucky primed sparkling oceans and vast bodies of water instantly evaporated from the heat of the billowing Zycon flame. The rock concentrated his methodical Sidus arch magic as he transmuted his entire body into that of an asteroid. He propelled himself towards Donald Trump at the speed of light, instantly homing in on his location. Trump frantically cried out profane blasphemies in a godless tongue long lost to the knowledge of modern man as the rock made the first strike. Dwayne Johnson orbited around his baseborn adversary, relentlessly pummeling him into the planetoid's mantle. Donald Trump clawed his way out of the planet's crust. He shakily rose to his feet and affixed his singed fedora back atop his balding head, significantly more wounded than he expected to be. Damn, those countless eons beyond bars really did a number on my stamina. How is that damned American? And remaining so calm and composed at a time like this, it appears he's no mere <laughs> negromancer. Like I first expected, he will be an interesting addition to my choir of the damned, he snickered. Dwayne Johnson appeared nonplussed by Donald Trump's inaudible ranting and raving. He hardened both of his fists into glittering diamonds and charged ahead, gracefully pounding this disgraced American further into submission. I think we all needed that. That's the good content right there. But it's time now for Kevin James and Taylor Swift to make their return. <laughs> she calls Karl Marx daddy and I'm so uncomfortable, oh my god. They're after Abraham Lincoln, but Obama selflessly sacrifices himself instead. Then uh, Kevin James just throws Obama straight into hell where Adam Sandler is, and Adam Sandler's basically Gollum. If you don't remember from the last quote I read of him, I'm gonna read this one, it's pretty short. 
So this is hell? I've seen worse, Barack Obama observed nonchalantly. He stood waist high in a lake of boiling lava, amidst thousands of writhing, tortured souls that screamed in agony. Adam Sandler lustfully licked his lips and pinched his throbbing nipples as he emerged from the shadows. Jewel coated his anemic chin as he crawled forward, stalking him. He saucily slinked towards the swart-skinned president and smacked his lips together. Mmm, delicious American meat. It has been so long, yes, yeah, so long since I've had a nice sodomized American to cradle with at night. I must have that sweet patriotic booty. The depraved son of Karl Marx then unhinged his jaw like a mighty serpent. Barack Obama recoiled with horror as Adam Sandler lunged, preparing to feast. Yeah. So then Guy Fieri does lose his shit over Obama's, I guess, death, kind of. Obama being thrown into hell and shoots Taylor Swift's head clean fucking off. But the stump regrows and she takes her true form, which is like Hitler's with like a bunch of tentacles and extra limbs and pus oozing out of her. And there are like mutated faces on her body. And then she's quoting her song lyrics all the way as she prepares to blast these fuckers into the afterlife. So here... Barkley makes his ultimate sacrifice just like his father. While screaming the Space Jam theme song and crying, he uses his telekinetic powers to kill Beast Swift, as they call her, by raining down basketballs upon her and the like. She starts to self-destruct, but if they can kill her before then, she won't take them all with her in to death. So Barkley holds her in place with his meager remaining energy and tells Sonic to destroy her knowing that it'll kill both of them. So Sonic actually has emotions here, and he's like, Son, I watched a lot of people I care about die, and I'm not going to kill you, even if it'll save us all. But then he eventually does have to do it. So he says, I'm going to show you the true power of the American race, you communist motherfucker. God bless America. Sonic summoned his godlike powers of George Washington and the entire omniverse into his fingertips. Righteous tears streamed endlessly down his face as he performed the ultimate sacrifice for the Americaverse and his blameless people, wholly incinerating both Taylor Swift and Charles Barkley with a single blast. It was metal as fuck. So Sonic does speak with Barkley one last time in a dream and God damn it, why is the fic this stupid hurting me so much? I didn't remember there actually being emotion in it, so... Ah, fuck. But having now experienced such a loss, Sonic leaves the biker brethren, and he's having an identity crisis, which will be important later. Like, sure, he kills communists, but that's what he does, not who he is. Let's get back to Hitler fucklessly destroying planets. He only has one left now until he completes the galactic swastika and becomes god, and that's the communist homeworld, and he's coming for it. Karl Marx watches through his crystal basketball in terror and summons the communist quorum, which consists in part of real-life communist leaders instead of, you know, random characters that are usually there for humor value, although there are random characters also there for humor value, such as Trump, even though he's, you know, not a communist and uh neil degrasse tyson is also there so they've cloned charles barkley who is now charles darkley he does play a role in this fic but he's more important in the sequel than he is here so the remaining members of the biker brethren fight communist hordes in space but they aren't doing as good as they should be without sonic Adam Sandler, meanwhile, tries to lead Obama out of hell because Hitler's going to destroy everything and he thinks that Obama might be able to help. I can't not read his lines in Gollum's voice, oh my god. So, Sonic is all alone on a different planet now, self-exiled after the guilt he's experiencing over Barkley's death. He's casually approached by RZA of, yes, the Wu-Tang Clan, who, again, casually 
explains that he's here to kill him because there's a bounty on his head. They proceed to fight, destroying several lesser galaxies in the process. So some communists just show up in the middle of the fight, and realizing that they have a mutual enemy, although the Wu-Tang Clan is not American, they decide to decimate the battalions together. And we get some uh, Wu-Tang Clan backstory, which, in short, is just that they were a powerful empire until the Juggalos attacked. (laughs) Huh. And then we learn that Sonic, you know, he's not just aimlessly wandering or whatever. He's actually on a mission to find his old sensei, Colonel Sanders, the Kentucky Fried Warlord himself. So the Biker Brethren, meanwhile, comes up with a plan to lure the strongest of communist warlords out of hiding and expose Nixon as a spy in their midst because everything points to the commie informer being him. Nixon shows up and finds Sonic, revealing that he's a time travel and that because of time travel, there will be two Hitlers to contend with soon because the one from his timeline went after him and then there's already the one from this timeline. Sonic doesn't want to help them on their mission, but he changes his mind when he learns that Colonel Sanders is leading the operation, and the Witching Clan also decides to help. So, so let's let's talk about Colonel Sanders for a moment. Um, this quote that introduces him is is beautiful. So. A wizened man, swaddled in an albino hellhound pelt and a white trench coat, confidently strode into the room. His rippling muscles carried the sweet aroma of eleven masterfully chosen herbs and spices. His ashen beard glimmered with his Kentucky fried might. The warrior withdrew his legendary chicken sword and guffawed with a righteous and fair voice. He raised his weapon to the sky as he spoke. Have any of you seen a skinny little fucker named Sonic the Hedgehog around here? He's my apprentice. Sonic immediately fell on his face before the heavenly might of Colonel Sanders. Sensei, I'd gladly follow you into the depths of hell. Sign me up. However, Nixon is still trying to destroy the Biker Brethren, which involves luring them to a certain planet and then sicking John Cena, yes, on them and his handlers, Ernie and Bird. John Cena ends up killing Garfield, which was not part of the agreement. Nixon goes into a fury here. Garfield does wake up in the afterlife, but then Lincoln revives him, sacrificing most of his life force to do so. So this is really it was leading up to the attack on the communist homeworld, which is going to come out really soon. But let's halt all that, because it's time to answer a question that's been plaguing our minds since the beginning of this fic. Why is Sonic's dick a gun? Well, it's about to get answered in this flashback chapter, The Origin of the Gun Dick. Sometime in the past, Sonic, you know, he just killed a bunch of communists, as he is wont to do, but George Costanza is hiding beneath the pile of bodies, and Sonic digs them out. The American village here is being controlled by commies, and there's about to be a human sacrifice to a monstrous worm-like being that lives in the abyss, Paula Deen, to keep the Americans in submission. But that's not enough, because it's time to release the spawn of the abyss, the Care Bears. He fights them, but he's horribly injured, uh, including having his dick severed, but fortunately, George used to be a medic and can make him a prosthetic, and Sonic has an idea of what he wants. So when he recovers, he returns to destroy the Care Bears and Paula Deen, and he sings while he does this. He just sings Let the Bodies Hit the Floor while he's slaughtering a bunch of Care Bears with his penis. <laughs> and this is how this chapter ends. I'm eternally in your debt, Mr. Sonic. I fixed your motorcycle, so you should be good to go. If you ever need somewhere to stay, just drop by. You're welcome here anytime, George Cassandra spoke in a caring voice. He tore his shirt asunder and embraced Sonic with a bare-chested hug. The only true American way of saying goodbye. The Sonic donned his leather biker jacket and leapt atop his trusty metallic steed. He chuckled. It's no problem, thanks for giving me so many commies to slay. Also, I forgot to mention something. I raided your fridge while you were sleeping and ate a ballpark, Frank, or some shit I found. 
thanks to that, my hunger is finally gone. If I ever return, make sure to bring plenty of those. George Costanza watched his Sonic's motorcycle soared into the heavens above. He pondered what Sonic had said. Ballpark, Frank? I don't remember keeping anything like that around. Wait, don't tell me he ate his own... Wow, Sonic. Okay. So, back in the present, Nixon is just chilling with Garfield. He's in jail. He explains that he's stuck in a time loop until their attack on the communist homeworld succeeds, and it says that he's done this 25 times now, and damn, that perseverance. I'm not sure if I should admire that or be concerned for his mental health, because after all, doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results is the definition of insanity. Garfield breaks him out of his cell, even though he's like, I don't know if I believe this time travel shit. Motherfucker must be high out of his mind. The big battle is about to begin, and we get this speech. They're here, Garfield foreboded. He watched as the communist hordes marched from the gates of their impenetrable fortress city, an obsidian-plated monolith embedded in the side of a mountain. Abraham Lincoln let out a throaty war cry that echoed throughout the land and the heavens above. He raised his guitar to the skies. He rallied his patriotic brethren to battle. The subhuman communist hosts sputtered from this undeniably holy sight, and their cries rose to a gravelly clamor as they beat their spears upon the frostbitten earth. Arise and hear me, my patriotic kinsmen. Honestly, it boomed, riding across the sky, astride his Harley with his electric guitar erected to the sky. The battlefield felt deathly silent, and even the communists closed their gaping mouths in anticipation for what Lincoln had to say. Lincoln cleared his throat and began to speak aloud. The day of the rope has arrived. The moment we and our forefathers have dreamed of fifteen generations is now upon us. The hopes, dreams, and sacrifices of those who came before us and those who shall come after us are etched into our souls, kindling inside of us the fuel for our journey into the infinite night. We shall rock the fuck out with the black metal of the gods, and this righteous melody shall smash through foolish dogma like karma and destiny, bringing our people out of the ashes and rewriting this cruel fate forced upon us. The Americans and communists alike lowered their spears, taking aim and preparing to charge. Lincoln continued, Our patriotic spirit shall be a blinding light in the face of every sodomous foe who dares to stand in our way. Today this battlefield will become a graveyard. The likes the patriot verse has never seen a testament to the indomitable, unbreakable resolve of the American race that will forever endure until the end of time. Arise, Armada. Arise against the wealth of darkness. Bring the infinite blackness to light. Tonight we will show the communists the true power of the American race. Abraham Lincoln turned silent. For a brief moment, he pivoted his wise and fair gaze to the armies of George Washington that awaited his orders. Will you follow me into hell, my American brothers? Why is this so eloquent? Like, I'm inspired. The most patriotic I ever feel is when I read this fic. Like, so many shitty things have happened in this country, like, in general, but I am mostly referring to recent events. But this shit makes me go, yeah, fuck yeah, America, bitches. I'm hyped, and you should get hyped for this battle, too, because it's insane. It's massive scale is just glorious. So apparently the Americans have also enlisted the help of the Russians, which is kind of weird because, you know, they're the first country you think of when you think of communism, usually. But no, Putin is there riding a grizzly bear, although I thought in this universe Lincoln fucked all the grizzly bears to death. But, you know, whatever. Here they also kind of clarify that Nazis are a sub-race of communists in this universe because I guess they're socialists. The text agrees, and I agree. And I hope you agree, too, that they're the worst type of socialists. So here are some characters we encounter. Arthur the Aardvark, a communist general who makes his 
appearance, only to be slaughtered mercilessly by Android and Frank. She beats him to death with his own severed arm, which is fucking brutal. Scooby-Doo and the gang destroy the Communazis with the mystery machine. There are some enslaved communist Teletubby pilots. There's American demolitions expert Kermit the Frog. And communist Mr. Snuffleupagus and Shrek are boiled in acid. Brutal. So then Chairman Mao comes out to fight because all his soldiers are getting slaughtered and he has to take matters into his own hands. Lincoln and Putin team up to fight him and as expected, there's some back and forth banter. Mao says something kind of weird. You don't even have the right to bear arms, he says, but oh my god. Lincoln then screams, but I have the right to bear legs and his legs transform into those of a fucking grizzly bear for no other reason than it's, it's fucking great. It was just so out of nowhere. It was amazing. Oh my god. (laughs) Then they decide that the best course of action is to storm the communist fortress where the elite warriors reside. Pooh sacrifices himself because there's nothing more important than restoring his honor after, like, you know, losing, like, two battles in his lifetime. Calm the fuck down, Zuko. Oh my god. So this is probably my favorite character introduction right here. Uh, Just a brief little paragraph. The biker brethren descended into the orgy pits of Karl Marx's palace and skewered all the hedonistic communist noblemen and the shameless harlots that serviced them. Abraham Lincoln slapped the chalice of wine out of SpongeBob's hands and drew back his katana, disemboweling this sponge gear clad regent with little effort. <laughs> okay. But meanwhile, Obama and Adam Sandler attempt to escape hell by confronting the spokesmen of the McDemons that rule hell. Mayor McCheese. Also, Ronald McDonald seems to be the king of hell, because, you know, why the fuck not? That's, that's kind of not in the battle, but you need to keep up with that plot, because it's going to become important. So, remember Bert and Ernie? They've defected the American side and are helping out with the invasion. So, here's a passage. It's nasty. <laughs> My beautiful joy boy, are you all right? Speak to me, Ernie cried out as he clawed his way out of the flaming wreckage of his starfighter. He ran to Bert's side with a look of concern on his face. Yeah, I think a few of my ribs are broken, but I'll survive. Bert rasped as he straightened his greasy mohawk. He lifted his chin, staring lovingly into his partner's shimmering eyes. You're whacked like a welfare pimp. I wasn't asking you, Ernie cleared his throat. He bent down to sift through the rubble at his feet. I was asking Robert Ducky. Oh, I see. Bert bowed his head in defeat, crushed. Rubber ducky, you're the one. Ernie said as he passionately caressed the toy duck with his puckered Muppet groin. After he finished his perverted display of affection, he shoved him into his back pocket for safekeeping. So now, the biker brethren faces down the mightiest of the communist warlords, including Rosa Luxemburg, Trotsky, Frederick Engels, and Donald Trump, who is not a communist, but he just loves destruction, has no loyalty. Adam Sandler the second, because the first one got thrown into hell and they had to clone another one. And of course, the dark sorcerer himself, Karl Marx. So this is the way I want it to be when I walk into the room. Like, he doesn't even make a spectacular entrance here. He just is the drama. The air palpitated with a thick, sepulchral energy as the final figure emerged from the blackness, a monstrous, shuddersome blight whose name no mere mortal fuck lord or fuck thane dare utter aloud. A choir of satanic hells seemingly echoed throughout the chamber, growing in ferocity and intensity with each metallic clank from this aberrant, morbid cadaver's boots. So that's Karl Marx's entrance. That's pretty brutal. And of course, his specialty weapons 
hammer and a sickle. What else would it be? Here's where now face to face, Karl Marx reveals that Lincoln was the one who created him with patriotic vision, which the bike brethren didn't know about. They're waiting for Lincoln to deny it, but he has to come clean and admit that, yeah, he's responsible for the Ameripocalypse. The next story arc begins like this. Donald Trump tore his shirt asunder, revealing his impossibly magnificent musculature and rippling abs that were heavily scarred from his participation in the battles of millennia past. Trump's golden mane shimmered, seemingly glowing in the dazzling light of the fire building atop his fingertips. Congratulations, you've just convinced me that Trump and Fire Lord Ozzy from Avatar are the same fucking person. Not like there was much convincing to do, but this really clinches it, you know. Our country is so fucked. So Trump is here to have his rematch with Dwayne the Rock Johnson, who can actually turn to rock, so he has a type advantage. Why am I I'm referencing Pokemon and Avatar left and right here? This has nothing to do with the fic and someone needs to stop me. But Guy Fieri also gets possessed by John Cena. I don't know, that's the thing there. Meanwhile, Lincoln and Karl Marx are having their showdown as well, in private. And this is where the fic really does start to ascend from, like a grandiose shitpost. Something with plot and depth, more so than it already has. So Marx is taunting him with all the deaths Lincoln has brought upon his own country, and since Marx is essentially his evil twin, they do have the same memories, and there's really no escaping the truth in what he says. They begin their final battle, and as you know already by now, most of this shit I can't do justice without reading, especially the battles. Here's a quick quote. Lincoln and Marx clashed in the planet's atmosphere, appearing as two massive bursts of light smashing against each other in the distance. To the window! To the wall! To the sweat drips down my balls! All these bitches crawl! Abraham Lincoln cried out the seraphic battle cry of his kinspeople. He flew in circles around the planet 500 times in under a millisecond to further build up his godly speed as he dove in for the killing strike. Karl Marx's defense were immediately shattered as Honest Abe's boots collided with his face, sending the Marxist lord flying directly through the planet's moon and her helplessly into the depths of space he roared with laughter all skeet skeet motherfucker all skeet skeet goddamn but let's not forget about the rest of the biker brethren garfield tore his wife beater and blue jeans asunder he knelt down and his entire body suddenly became wreathed in the imperishable fuck flame of washington's grace the communist generals watched in horror as his rippling muscles swelled several times their original size the portly mancat underwent a drastic transformation to tower over his sonus foes revealing his true potential garfield saucily beckoned his assailants forward with a light laugh it's time for the super feline garzuka to whoop some commie ass and frank furred her brow watching as the nude feline flexed his rippling muscles garfield why aren't you wearing any pants are you some kind of hentai she asked garfield slowly shook his head and frank don't be that way if you don't like my cat dick hanging out just don't look at it just look away it's an important part of my transformation trust me and then mm, this is a good part because Dwayne the rock johnson just slices trump in half yes yes he's kind of angsty about it though because he took an oath that he wouldn't actually kill anyone but he shouldn't regret this because it's yeah it, it yes yes we all want this but then hitler arrives realizing they have a common enemy the americans and communists try to fend him off but he's almost gone now so it doesn't really go very well everything fails miserably until nixon hands over the communist slayer guitar to lincoln who is finally able to deal some damage he dribbles the planet's moon like a basketball and slam dunks it on hitler like 
I'm not even gonna question the physics of that. That's just metal as fuck, and that's not even me saying that. It says that in the fic too, as it does sometimes. He does my job for me a lot. But Hitler regenerates, and he's like, "You little bitch, maybe I would have felt it if you'd thrown the sun at me." Which precedes him, in fact, throwing the sun at Lincoln, and Lincoln somehow swallowing it. All right, you've got to work the suspension of disbelief more so than even in the rest of the fic here. But it's it's so worth it. Should just take it as it comes. And here's where things kind of fall into place. Nothing they're doing is having much of an effect, but deep down, Lincoln and Marx know what must be done. They have to fuse, even though it means that they can't unmerge after the battle. So even though they're, you know, they're in the middle of the battle, Karl Marx has to give his whole backstory here, which I'm going to read because this is just another weird, emotionally intense moment, and also one of those crazy character drops out of fucking nowhere. Just don't even brace yourself, it's better that way. Do you even know why I despise your kind, Lincoln? Why the thought of joining with you repulses me so? Your people took everything from me. My home, my son's sanity, my wife, and everyone I ever cared about. Can you even comprehend what, what that kind of pain feels like, stars and stripes? Karl Marx snarled, his words full of contempt. Honestly, he bowed his head in shame, reminded of how his quest for vengeance against the communist empire cost him his son and grandson. He sighed, I, I think I do. All too well, in fact. Marx's mind drifted far into his past, a time long before the grim days of the post-Amer apocalypse. He lowered his gaze and began to speak. For many long years, I was experimented on by those deranged Americans, the Harlem Globetrotters. Unspeakable, inhumane things were performed upon me. It was a kind of torture I wouldn't even wish on my worst enemy. One day I fled. I lived on the outskirts of a major American citadel where the people dumped their corpses and filth from the war effort. I was ostracized from their city for being a communist, driven to grovel and scavenge in their ways to survive. Karl Marx was reminded of one of his earliest memories. He took refuge within a pit dug deep within the earth. The entranceway was covered, blocked by the toxic waste of the American industry, the byproducts of their rampant capitalism. To him, this dwelling hole was his home. Their great monuments to the gods, the Statue of Liberty, stood proud and tall over the wasteland where I dwelt. That idol loomed menacingly over the misfits of the land, seemingly judging the beings that society had discarded and abandoned. I had no name and no history. If I had perished in that fell place, no one would ever know. I was simply nobody, and then I met her. My salvation, the only person who ever understood me. A single hand reached down into the blackness, drawing Karl Marx out of his hiding place. Get ready for it, get ready for it. Her name was Beyonce. <laughs> she rescued me from that felt pit of despair that day. I was barely alive and deathly ill at the same time. She gave me a name and the will to live again. I was no longer nobody, just to see her smile. I can endure anything. Karl Marx was nursed back to health over the course of several lengthy moons. At first, he barely had the strength to stand, let alone walk. At one moment, he was languishing in a cesspit of filth, and the next, he was delivered into the arms of salvation. It was almost as if he had died and went to heaven. For the only time in his existence, Karl Marx truly felt at peace. At first, she simply acted out of kindness, but it soon turned into much more. Beyonce and I fell in love, and we had a child together. His name was Adam Sandler, my pride and joy. Unfortunately, these days of peace and plenty didn't last. That's when everything changed. Marx's family home was ransacked in the night, stripped of every valuable item and burned cinders. Karl Marx fell to his knees and wept as he looked upwards, gazing upon a blood-stained pitchfork with a severed head of his wife embedded upon its peak. Thinking was shocked, watching such a proud communist warrior driven to tears as he recounted his story. He continued speaking through his tears. The Americans killed 
kill my wife like and those bastards murdered Beyonce simply because she was a communist a gang of scavengers came in the night sodomizing her body and hacking her to pieces Adam Sandler was never quite the same after that day I suppose I wasn't either that's where it all began without a moment of hesitation Karl Marx took up his sword and charged into the night he slew the first group of Americans he could find savagely hacking them to shreds and immolating their corpses deep down Marx knew that they weren't the culprits behind Beyonce's murder but to him it didn't matter they were only the first of his many victims that day, Karl Marx declared his personal war on all of American kind. I fight to protect my people, Lincoln. I keep fighting and fighting to build a safer future for them. The communists are the only family I have left. To protect your family, wouldn't you do anything? Karl Marx took a deep breath and closed his eyes, unable to force himself to watch Hitler's massacre any longer. He clenched his fists and sighed in defeat. And now you're asking me to give up everything. Even if today's one will become of my race, your people will destroy us just like they did to her. They'll hunt us down and drive us to extinction. The communist empire will be eradicated overnight. Hurry up, Mr. President, even at full throttle. Hitler is too damn strong. This shit is not money. Guy Fieri rasped, coughing up blood upon his golden goatee. Fieri utilized the full potential of his Flavortown fighting style, charging his signature dynamite triple D incineration cannon. Hitler pummeled Fieri into the asphalt before he could finish his attack dashing the biker brethren's last chance of victory against this godless foe. Abraham Lincoln cracked an optimistic grin. You've got it all wrong, Marx. We are the mightiest warriors among our people. We both personify our respective races. If we join together, we can make a better future for both the communists and Americans. A future free of this endless war we fought for generations. We could finally have peace, but that will never happen unless you take my hand and join me. The communist lord tarried for a brief moment, pondering Lincoln's eloquent, enlightened, patriotic fuck brilliance. Marx pinched his brow, cursing himself for the decision he was about to make. He finally accepted Lincoln's offer by shaking his outstretched hand. Lincoln respectfully bowed his head as thanks. He then reached into his jockstrap and removed a small vial containing the America versus last existing drops of fusion dew. TM. Let's rock the fuck out, comrade. He spoke with a smile. And then here's another part after they fuse that just, yes, it makes me cheer. Abraham Lincoln, the man questioned, seemingly unfamiliar with the name. He pursed his lips and chuckled. Ah, I remember now. That was what they used to call me. But to answer your question, I am no longer just honest Abe. The warrior smiled fearlessly, lifting his chin to stare directly at the Nazi lord. My name is Carl Lincoln. I am the ultimate fusion between communist and American. Also... I'm the one who's gonna fucking destroy you, he said, taking a bow to introduce himself. Hitler narrowed his eyes at the fused warrior standing before him. He snarled, you can merge with whomever you please, but no filthy mortal can do anything to stop me. Hit me with your best shot. Honest Karl suddenly drew back his fist, punching Hitler thousands of miles into space and straight into the sun. The fused warrior flexed his fist, admiring his new strength. He chuckled, so you gonna fight me seriously now or what? An American communist punching a Nazi into the sun. That is my political philosophy right there. Yes. This is the good content. This whole, this entire battle is just, it's straight up epic. So then Hitler does take on his true form. The form that had been holding in his unbridled power, burning away. Yes, I know so many quotes, but this last part of the excerpt that I'm about to read just might be my favorite line from this entire fic. Carl Lincoln observed his metamorphosis with a sly grin plastered on his face. He began to speak as he paced in circles around Hitler. So that's what you actually look like, eh? I'll give you credit for transforming in yourself into a smaller target. There's no way you could have dodged an attack in that awkward state you shimmed me before, but there's one thing you didn't account for. 
Adolf Hitler raised an eyebrow in response. And what would that be? This. Lincoln unbuckled his belt and dropped his tattered blue jeans, revealing his throbbing cybernetic gun dick. No, it couldn't be called a gun dick. It was far too massive, too rough, and too thick. Its barrel was 18 feet long, and its firepower had the destructive capability to level entire cities. And this is my favorite line right here. Forsooth, this was no mere gun dick. This was a crotch-mounted cannon of flaming death. Favorite. Favorite. So, this is all happening. These two demigods are throwing planets and other celestial bodies at each other and, quote, creating shockwaves that prolapse every anus in creation and blow off every foreskin in the galaxy. The biker brethren is just watching like, well, nothing we can do. Let's just leave Carl Lincoln to do his thing. So they're pretty evenly matched, but Hitler pulls his strongest attack, the final solution. And I know this is kind of an interruption to the whole dramatic universe ending showdown, but it's it's a good quote, so I'm going to read it. Corfield took Anne Frank's trembling hands into his own, meeting her terrified gaze with an unexpectedly warm smile. There's something I need to get off my chest, lass. Something I should have told you a long time ago, but never had the guts to say. I guess the end of the world is a good time as any, right? He laughed. Corfield gulped. I'm, I'm in love with you, Anne Frank. I'd trade all the lasagna in the world just to be with you. I'd kick Odie off a thousand tables just to hold you in my arms. I love you more than all the Fuda girls in the world combined. So, do you... Do you feel the same way, my heart, sweet? I'm sorry, Garfield. Anne Frank bowed her head and apologized in a flat tone of voice. I don't lay with beasts. Unless it's a wolf, I'd probably have sex with a wolf, provided it gave consent. Garfield lowered his gaze and awkwardly backed away in defeat. Oh, I see. <laughs> Why is he? <laughs> I'd, probably just, I'd probably have sex with a wolf. Just <laughs> She had sex with a hedgehog, though. We all know that. So... The final solution, getting back to that main battle, destroys all life in the galaxy. Carl Lincoln's spirit is left floating through the void, all alone, but then he senses a presence, and it's God, George Washington. And there's actually this kind of philosophical speech Washington gives about how the belief in him gave rise to his manifestation, and how Carl Lincoln must be the one to replace him as God, because capitalism and communism are yin and yang, and there must be a balance between them for life to remain. Lincoln must return to the battle from the void. And he doesn't know how to win, but Washington tells him to do what he thinks is right, and he has only one command for him, and that's rocketh the fuck out. And here's the ultimate battle right here. I can't not read this. The year's 2004, 15 generations after the beginning of the Ameripocalypse, the Americaverse has become an empty void, incapable of supporting life. Every American and communist has been brutally slain by Adolf Hitler, and no living things remain. I'm slipping away, Lincoln's disembodied voice drafts, growing fainter with each passing sent on. Darkness enveloped him from all angles as thousands of tiny black hands reached out from the abyss, dragging him further down. I'm gone. Fuck that shit! Carl Lincoln cried with righteous indignation, reaching out his meaty fists and forcibly tearing open the barriers of reality itself. Tears of star-spangled fuckrace showered his cheeks as he throttled the neck of the universe itself like a mighty pimp rewriting history and turning back time. So this is the power of George Washington? I could get used to this, he thought to himself as he displayed his godly abilities. No, this cannot be. I refuse to believe it. Everything was supposed to be eradicated. Why is it coming back? Hitler trembled with rage, watching as the planets and great star clusters of the Patriotverse emerged from 
the blackness to once again light up the cosmos. Guy Fury clutches fish and gasps for air. We're, we're still alive? Shut the front door! I've been stricken by the chicken! <laughs> Carl Lincoln unleashed the full power of his, his godlike potential unlocked by George Washington. An electric star-spangled aura wreathed his transcendental vessel as it rose in stature, expanded to become the size of the entire Americaverse itself. Several lesser galaxies congregated towards this monolithic patriot, wrapping themselves around his skin and forming an unbreakable set of cosmic armor upon him. Adolf Hitler was shaken to his core at the sight, beholding Lincoln's transformed body stretched on for billions upon billions of light years utterly dwarfing him. The appearance taken on by Super Lincoln's immeasurably vast form was instantly recognizable to all the children of the mighty George Washington, right down to the straight pattern hat upon his head and set of 28 arms extending from his abdomen. All the Americans on the battlefield fell upon their faces in reverence of this patriotic demigod. Uncle Sam-sama, he's become Uncle Sam, the ultimate American warlord. Great streams of light erupted forth from Lincoln's extragalactic lines, soaring through the stars and raining down upon the heavens to bathe the members of the biker brethren with their American fuck race. Garfield flexed his throbbing muscles, standing in awe of the godlike all-American power coursing through his veins. He guessed, This strength is enormous. I've never felt anything like this before. Abe Lincoln has filled all my holes with his liquid love. Is this the true potential of the American race? After being endowed by honest Carl's godlike puss the space bikers soared through the stars to join their president in his final struggle against Adolf Hitler. Arise, warriors of Washington. Let's do the old you-know-what and finish this bastard. Super Lincoln's righteous belly laughing echoed throughout the multiverse, striking terror into the hearts of the sodomous foes of this patriotic galaxy. What? The members of the Viker Brethren all questioned in unison. Lincoln smiled. What else? We're gonna rock the fuck out. How amusing. It seems I underestimated your stubborn will to survive. However, the outcome still remains the same. I'm going to turn you filthy Americans into soap. Hitler threw himself upon his patriotic adversaries, baying at the moon as he unleashed his true strength. This holy union of super-Americans took position around Honest Carl, using themselves as living shields to fend off Hitler's desperate attack. Carl Lincoln reached down and lifted up the legendary communist slayer he channeled his hormonal hell rage into this flaming blade, filling it to the room with his awe-inspiring strength and causing it to expand up to approximately match his own size. Lincoln fearlessly swung his blade and pointed it directly at Hitler's face. He smirked confidently. I'm going to tell you something important right now, so you best shut the fuck up and listen. We children of the almighty Washington are totally unmatched by anyone in the universe. Even when we die, our patriotism never fades. The hopes and dreams of our star-spangled allies shall fuel us on our journey to the light. You are the one who doesn't stand a chance. Super Nixon fearlessly charged forward and socked Hitler in the jaw. He's right, all 50 stars and then 13 stripes from our beautiful flag burn inside us like a mighty flame even at the brink of death. Our righteous fury will never cease. Not even a Nazi can take our patriotism away from us. Super Guy Fury joined him by stealthily approaching the Fuhrer from behind and putting him into a full Nelson. He continues Nixon's speech. The hopes, dreams, and sacrifices of those who came before us and those who shall come after us are etched into our souls, kindling inside our bodies like the mighty bonfires of Flavortown. <laughs> You're jealous of our unbreakable strength and resolve, so you lash out in fear by trying to wipe out every American you can. That's your weakness. Fury held Hitler in place, allowing Superbird to beat his face inwards with his flaming Muppet fits. He cried out with tears in his eyes. This is for you, Ernie. Now you can rest in peace, my love. I'm not finished with you. Not yet. Hitler shook off his assailants with a powerful yai shout, sending them both flying backwards into the depths of space. The Nazi Helbies fired off a consecutive volley of 20 universe-destroying final solution attacks in retaliation. Honest Carl stepped in to intervene, effortlessly crushing all these planet-sized bliss between his fingertips. Super Anfrag drunk, 
backdrop cake Taylor sending him flying helplessly towards the horizon of a gravitational singularity. The hour has come where we shall stand together as one and rage against the darkness, driving the sword of war. Straight into the battles of hell itself in the name of Washington. You may not know it yet, but you're already dead for you, Hitler. There is only one thing we have left to say, she began. The fearless Americans stood as one, pulling their star-spangled energy together for one final attack. The members of the Viker Brethren roared into the sky, into the starless night, with one final throaty war cry. God bless America! The bikers summoned the godlike powers of George Washington, the communist layer, and the entire omniverse to their fingertips for this final assault. Righteous tears streamed endlessly down their collective faces as they fired off a star-spangled blast of pure patriotic energy that spanned an utterly gargantuan 15 quintillion light years in diameter. It was metal as fuck. And that's the battle. That is the battle right there. They kill him. And as he's dying, he's just like... All I wanted was a world without Jews. Was that too much to ask? And then he fucking perishes. Yes. Nixon does succumb to his wounds and also dies, but he fulfilled the promise he made to Garfield, so he dies happy. So you would think that this is the end of the fic, and it could have ended right there, actually, but there's still one more arc to go. Plus, there is a sequel. And Sonic's separation from the Biker Brethren hasn't culminated in anything yet, so we have to revisit that too. So we begin with the meeting of the Harlem Globetrotters, the evil group that experimented on Americans during the war. Their plans have all failed, seeing as Hitler died, but it's all good because the, the DNA from him that they needed to resurrect him belongs to none other than Sonic the Hedgehog. I believe I've underemphasized this a bit, but people have been telling Sonic that he doesn't truly know who he is, and he kind of underwent a little bit of an identity crisis after Charles Barkley died. So, <laughs> Sonic does hear the voice of Hitler in his head, beckoning him to the dark side. Uh, this seems to be a fairly occurrence for him, given his reaction, which is something along the lines of, what are you doing in my head again? Fuck off, Hitler. Charles Darkly, the evil clone, is sent to recover Sonic the Hedgehog to ensure that he joins the commies so that the Harlem Globetrotters can resurrect their ultimate success. So Sonic and the Wu-Tang Clan have now been on a communist hunting trip, essentially, for a few chapters. I haven't talked about it much because it was, you know, totally overshadowed by the other plot thread, but yeah, they've just been killing commies. But wait, they're not actually communists. Been unknowingly killing Americans this whole time, and Adam Sandler's behind it. So he got out of hell with Obama, and he's been in league with the McDemons this whole time. They recruited him in the depths of his misery after losing his mother, who, need I remind you, is Beyonce in this universe. Even though he seems totally insane, everyone has been his pawn, and he aims to release the McDemons with the ultimate blood sacrifice, all the Americans fighting on the communist homeworld planet, and create a communist utopia. So Adam Sandler leaves the room now after they all find out about this. So Colonel Sanders knew about this scheme the whole time, but he was forced to keep quiet. He then frees Sonic and the Wu-Tang Clan and commits suicide to make it look like Sonic had to kill him to fight his way out. I would have liked to see the bonds between Sonic and Sanders developed a little more. Like also Sonic and Michael Jordan and Sonic and Charles Barkley, but like those characters all died before we could see uh, developed bonds. So that's unfortunate. But I would like to see a bit more about character relationships in this, even though that's totally gay, as all the characters would say in this fic, because feelings are gay. 
Now begins the actual finale. Adam Sandler summons the McDemons, and at first the Biker Brethren and the other survivors think they've entered the astral plane or hell, but hell has come to them, which is metal as fuck. It's been merged with reality. So do y'all remember the weird sexual tension between Adam Sandler and Obama? Because this author sure does. (laughs) So Sandler wants Obama to prove his loyalty to him, telling him to kill Dwayne Johnson or else he'll slaughter a bunch of Americans. So Obama then whips out his dick and slaps Adam Sandler with it, (laughs) refusing at first to kill an innocent man, but he caves in and begins the slow process of killing a man made out of stone to save his kids' men. Sandler is going to kill all the Americans anyways. He just wanted to know how far his love, Obama, would go for him. He says there's no place for Americans in this utopia I plan to create. Well, save for you, my love. Yeah, um, okay. So then Carl Lincoln... I guess that's going to be a character now, is forced to battle his depraved half-son. This raises questions about who was Lincoln before he was Lincoln and Karl Marx. Like, were they Karl Lincoln before? I don't know. But Sonic, he's back. He returns to the Biker Brethren here. They're all wondering where he vanished off to. But he says, I've got bigger titties to lick. Because he needs to slay the fuck out of Adam Sandler with his gun dick instead of explain everything that happened to him in the last whatever how long he was away for. Lincoln gets Adam Sandler backed into a corner but just can't bring himself to kill his own son. Sandler takes advantage of this and Carl Lincoln fucking dies. (laughs) This absolutely sends Sonic over the edge, filling him with genocidal fuck fury. And the spirit that lives inside him, the spirit of Hitler, takes over. And that is who he truly is, I guess. And then Adam Sandler tries to cut him a deal. He wants to use Sonic's strength to his own advantage. And if he pledges loyalty to him, he'll let the Americans live for now. But if he fights, they will all die. But yeah, I wouldn't trust him after what happened with Obama. And Sonic doesn't fall for that shit. But it's because he's just too angry to reason. And his his response is great. I'm going to sodomize your fucking asshole with a chainsaw, Adam Sandler. And while he doesn't quite do this, he shoots him to death with his dick. And then Adam Sandler is at peace knowing that the spirit of communism will continue with Sonic, Hitler, their... whatever they are now as he destroys the world but then he reincarnates and severs sonic's legendary gun dick oh my god the gun dick is gone now guys sonic sends the biker brethren away so he can continue the fight alone but who finishes him but charles darkly he shows up and sonic fucking dies so dead adam sandler becomes god preparing to destroy the entire america verse but then nixon who somehow lives i guess even though he died severs his divine head but then Sandler splits in two and sends the energy of pure condensed communism across the universe and the age of communism begins so you know since no one stays dead here after that whole battle Nixon gives up his own life so that Sonic can be revived so that was that finale and now Garfield has to be the one to break the news to Sonic that he and Anne are the only other survivors from the biker brethren and that Adam Sandler sacrificed himself to rewrite history so that communism has always been the dominant force in the America verse and also that Sonic has AIDS for some reason <laughs> okay and the state of this new universe is called the Amerigeddon. So Sonic then succumbs to grief and he has a bunch of angsty flashbacks about all his dead friends and he decides that he has to leave to do what he's always done and that's kill communists. 
<laughs> and then Garfield is like, the kid is his, isn't it? To a robot, and she's like, how do you know about that? And he's like, so you think of any baby names? And she's like, I'm gonna name him Richard Nixon after the bravest man I knew. Even if it's a girl, I'm still gonna name it Richard Nixon. And you're just like, mm, I see how this all falls into place. Nice. Out of all the weird familial relationships in this fic, I think this one has to be the weirdest. You have Sonic the Hedgehog whose penis is a gun, impregnating a robot to get a flesh and blood human. This somehow manages to make less sense than Mpreg. So the final chapter is essentially a setup to the sequel, which is Sonic the Hedgehog, make America great again. <laughs> this epilogue really, that's what it is, more or less, features Sonic revisiting George Costanza to get a new gun dick, which he then names the Judgment Dick. And then Trump shows up for no reason, and even though he died, he's like, I'm back, and I see you're going to single-handedly destroy communism. Sounds like a suicide mission. Allow me to join you. I'm always down for some genocide. And after all, you and I, we are two sides of the same coin. And then he does one of those basic coin tricks where he pulls a coin out of Sonic's ear, and Sonic's like, oh shit, he's pulling miracles now because he's too high to realize the simplicity of it. So yeah, this is the sequel. Sonic and Trump are gonna murderize some communists in the next fic. Maybe I'll cover that too, but last I checked, it was still in progress, so we'll see. There are a lot of things in here that just fucking do it for me. The random characters that make an appearance in the mega crossover and what their roles are, like the familial relationships and having, you know, Adam Sandler be a communist overlord and Pooh be an assassin, like shit like that. And it's just so insanely over the top. There's so many just straight up epic scenes in here. Like, I didn't think that they could outdo the Carl Lincoln and Hitler battle, but they were almost able to match its insanity in that final arc. The writing style is probably the best thing about it. Like, I read enough quotes. I think you guys understand. So some smaller things that kind of bothered me, but overall didn't take away from the experience. Uh, the plot, I enjoyed that there was one. It could be a little bit convoluted at times with so many characters, information to remember about said characters and subplots. It got a bit meandering and would lose focus sometimes, and the, the time travel did not help with the convolution. And I did have some difficulty conceptualizing where all this was in space, because, you know, you have all these insane battles that involve continents exploding, people throwing planets at each other, and opening portals to hell. It's kind of hard to wrap your head around the massive scale of these battles, but at the same time, that's what makes this so fucking great. And then people also kept coming back to life. I mean, like, some of them stayed dead, but who got resurrected and who didn't was, it was super arbitrary and a little times too convenient. This would bother me a whole hell of a lot more if this was actually a serious fic. Like, death fakeouts have always annoyed the hell out of me. I refuse to pull that shit in my own writing, but I can forgive it because it's just, I love it, honestly. Like, this is an inspiration to me. As far as I know, it's one of a kind, and I really can't recommend it enough. Like, go fucking read this thing. It's a trip. Like, bless this author, and I guess God bless America, guys. So, say you covered Sonic the Hedgehog, Defender of America by America vs. Warlord. You can find the bars low on Instagram. Our profile is just the bars low with an underscore in between each word. Follow us, you, you know what's coming up next. I'm Wenshik Exoticus. This is the bars low. Thank you for joining me, and that's all for today.